Welcome back to class, everybody. I am Ethan from the Weebology Podcast. He's your taped up professor. I just noticed your knee. Yeah. You're all, you're all taped up with the highest grade medical tech we have to offer. It's just a little extra support, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm your sun-kissed professor, Ricky, because uh, it's like, Memorial Day weekend, baby. Happy K-I-S-T. Memorial Day. K-I-S-T. Yes. Kissed <laughs> yeah. by the sun. And uh, I learned my lesson this time because I have a certain hubris about tanning. Right. And I tan very easy. But I'm a, cancer. Yes, cancer as well. <laughs> but I always say, I don't need sunscreen. Fuck that. I have Italian blood in me. And every time I say that, the sun's like, oh, you fucking thought. And it yeah. becomes a deadly laser honed in on me. That's and, actually all the sun is, a deadly laser. <laughs> it's a deadly laser everywhere all the time. Uh, so I put on copious amounts of sunscreen yesterday. And guess what? Still got a little burned on my back. It happens. It does happen. So never scoff at the sun. You <laughs> scoff at the sun. The sun doesn't just scoff back. It scorches back. <laughs> yeah. You'll be you a raisin. Who goes to the sun. Literally. in this bitch. <laughs> Icarus just didn't have any copper tone. Yeah. That's what he didn't have. He didn't have that SPF 1 billion because he's, you know. Yeah. He, uh, his wax wings, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> melted. That seems like a pretty uh, pretty poor play on Icarus's, what, dad's fault? Or whoever made him his wings? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's the most heat-proof object we can think of? Oh, wait, wax. Let's well, use this. Well, to be fair, he was like, hey, don't fly up to the sun, idiot. And he's and like, ah. <laughs> bitch, watch. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Oh, man. But yeah, let's dive into it. Ethan had given me... Uh, an interesting show that's been I feel like I started a long time ago and never got back to it and I binged it at 1.5 speed (laughs) at least the second half of it this morning so a lot of information was crammed in my head in a very short amount of time and I feel like even if you watch it at normal speed leisurely there's a lot to untangle here right so what are we talking about today it's like mad fast paced okay today we are talking about the predecessor to a show we've already watched mm-hmm. which was uh yeah and today we are talking about bacchano yes 2007 i believe is when it came out is that a is that a, a pretty big studio i thought is the same one who did Dorara? I think it was like Orange or something, or Bryant, no, Brainspace. Brainspace, right. yeah. It had the aesthetic, right? Yeah. It had a very much their aesthetic, which is good, but it's from the same author who did Dorara, so there's going to be a lot of narrative similarities in this way. But we were texting before the episode, and we'll get into it more deeply, but there are some key differences in this show and how it's told that it uses the same style of storytelling as Dorara, but those key differences make it a click not as effective. Still very solid of a show, but we'll get into it. So well, I, I think like just yeah. like because I don't want to get off, too off spoilery until you know 30 plus minutes in. Sure. But just as like a like an opening salvo across the bow, mm, for instance. A nice appetizer, yes. Yes. Mm. Um it is definitely an interesting show that is told in a like Semi anachronistic, like, yeah, it, time it, all over the place, interesting web, very asynchronous. Like, things exactly. are like they it's using time, a time span instead of a space span, right? Right, and I think that's one of the big key differences here. That in Dorara, it was all kind of happening in the same time span, same era, essentially, but over a big space, so you can tell these webs of stories 
using a spatial difference, not a time difference. Right. And it made it a lot less confusing and a lot more engaging because that web felt connected because they're all in the same space. Now, in this show, the bulk of it takes place over the course of two years, three, actually, 1990, 1930 to 1932. Yeah. So just for an example, there is 1731 is yes. part of it. Yes. 1930. Yes. 1929. Is there a 29 yeah. or somewhere? 31, yeah. 32. And a little bit of 2001 in 2001, at the end. A little no bit of 2001. Reason. So, I mean, I, I didn't, I liked where the original author's head was at. But you can tell it was a predecessor. He had this web-style storytelling ready to go. And he, I think he definitely realized whether... I actually am not sure if the mangaka wrote you know, Bacchano before Jirawara. That's just when they were adapted. Yeah. So I actually don't know that. But it does feel like a rough draft to what Jirawara really did, right? And for better or worse. I mean, he was playing around with some really complex storytelling and narratives all kind of being told at the same time and it works in this show to some effect but not as strong as Jirabara. and i think it's because they're jumping everywhere right and i think it's it's very important to note that while Dorara had a large cast this cast is absolutely astronomically large. bonkers bonkers because we definitely said in that episode like there's maybe just shy of a couple dozen maybe like 20 characters you care about this easily goes above 25 into 30. Yeah, like, I mean, if you don't know all these guys' names and stuff, um, it's pretty tough to figure out what's going on. Frankly, I doubt we know all the names after right. watching it, right? And I, and I will say, this is like the only time I'll ever say watching the OP is fairly important. So you can see everyone's name like constantly. Yes, and I didn't, I started skipping it halfway through, which is not common for me. Normally, I watch it the first episode, cool OP, out, right? I'm yeah. done. But I found myself exactly that. I'm like, who is that again? Oh, wait, they have literally the the rundown yeah. up top every single time. So if you need a refresher every episode, do not skip the OP. It is your cheat sheet. It's your character cheat exactly. sheet. Exactly. It was you know the, one of the <laughs> only times I'll ever say that, but it is absolutely I ima- essential. <laughs> I imagine in the storyboarding room for this show, they read the script like, zoo-wee, mama, there's a lot of characters. And they're like, wait, what if we just run down the names of... Like, this was for them, right? Yeah, the storyboarders maybe. made an OP so they remembered the names every single time. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, these characters, in my opinion, are what carry this whole show. Yeah, easily. These characters are so engaging. In 13 episodes, I fell in love with the grand majority of them and this speaks to kind of uh, I need to I need to look up the name of this mangaka because like he he makes me care about a character more than most. Right? Yeah, he does. Um, and you didn't get to see it because it's episode sixteen. But they actually do this little monologue at the end mm-hmm. with the the uh, remember Carol and Vice President from the very 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 beginning. Yes, yes. They actually have this conversation at the very last second um, of the of the series that yeah. says. He goes, Carol, are you still wondering who the main character is? And, and she's like, yeah. And he's like, that's kind of the point of a series like this. Like, they added some, not, I wouldn't call it fourth wall, but very self-aware shit. Oh, this right? was definitely fourth wall. Yeah, it was very he's, self-aware. He's basically talking to Carol as if he's talking to us. And he says, like, you know, 
she goes, why, why do you think, he goes, why do you think it is that I didn't tell you who the main character was? And she goes, I don't know, because then now it's open for a sequel. And he goes, three points. And she's like, that seems like way too many. Didn't he points. give her like 317 yeah. points and then 159? And yeah. she keeps asking, out of what? Yeah. It's like our scoring system. Yeah, exactly. We should start scoring like that old guy. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we, give this, we give this show, uh, you know, 287. Don't say this. Yeah. Don't say blueprint. <laughs> but he goes. The whole point of shows like this is to show like the interactions between the different characters, right? Like he's actually just like explaining this to us straight, straight up. up. Yeah, and he's right. Like, it doesn't matter what the beginning or the end is. And again, and that's so the guy that wrote this, Ryogo Narita, and he actually won a Dengeki Novel Prize for Bakano. His light novel won the gold medal or the gold prize in the ninth not ninth novel competition. In, <laughs> right, right, sure. But so hotly contested, I'm sure. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> but that, but that's his crux, right? It doesn't matter about the beginning or the end. It's the it's the middle. It's the journey. That is his whole writing style. We saw it draw right. They set it up top. They weren't even shy about it, right? Right. Um. But uh, yeah. I mean, we. I guess we got to pick into kind of like there's so many through lines and I don't know which one's the main through line. Yeah. But let's talk about the pussyfoot. Let's talk about the pussyfoot through line. I mean, this. Yeah. So the you kind of most of what we're getting in the now is a group of individuals that kind of con, uh, coincidentally meet up. Yeah, multi groups. Multi groups. So there's essentially three main groups that yes. end up on this flying pussyfoot. Which it's is, called the flying pussyfoot. <laughs> which is which, this like super luxurious train, transcontinental train. Can we talk about how the pussy flying pussyfoot is such a perfect name yeah. for like a posh luxury train? <laughs> it's going from New York City to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's luxury, man. It's some luxury shit. We got bars, first class cars, everything, everything you could possibly want. Yeah. And uh, your first your first major group, I would say that we get to interact with is Jacuzzi and the gang. Yeah. The boys. Who are they to represent again? They were who are they there to represent? Or are they just themselves? They were just gonna rob it themselves. They were just robbing it themselves. Okay, that's what I thought, and I didn't hear their affiliation. Right. So. Everyone and their grandma seems to want to rob this pretty luxury train, which makes sense. It's the flying pussyfoot. Sounds like it's got some money. Yeah, well, it's all for different reasons, though, right? Which right. is the kind of the funny part. So there's three main groups that are on this uh, on this train to rob it yeah. for different reasons. Jacuzzi <laughs> yes. and his gang are there to rob it because they're just delinquents. Yep. Um. There's Lad Rousseau, who's from the Rousseau family. And he's fucking... In, we'll get into him in a second. His main goal, essentially, is to get on the train, kill as many people as he can, like, spread their bodies across, like, strewn them across, like, all these uh, railroad tracks so that the railroad will pay them money. Yeah, that... What a, what a fucking psychopathic plan. Yeah, he's plan. great. Like, he, he made a plan to his mob boss solely to allow him to kill people because his mob boss is like you're fucking insane and he's like but let's be insane for cash yeah. man let's be insane so i can let loose but we get paid dude and um i, I guess the plan is sound enough yeah and then there's a third group who is I don't know what their like name was, but they were essentially affiliated to Huey Laforette. Yes, there was whatever. it was like Goose and the crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Goose and the squad. They came in looking like uh, orchestra. Orchestra, yeah. And then we have, and their whole goal was to kidnap um, 
the senator's wife. No, it's the wife, right? Daughter, so that he would let out their like master, yeah, out of prison. So it was wild scenes. So everyone has different motives for some fucking tomfoolery on this on this train, right? And in typical Ryogo fashion, we have everyone kind of meeting at some point in the future because what this this train happened in 1930 right and then everything that happened after the two years after because they reference it mm, i think that's what I happened think the whole train ride was in 1931 31 so we have a year prior and a year after because they were referencing it at some point yeah. okay i could see that so <laughs> we have all these groups on this train and the the part as well as a smattering of, uh, I would say, war potentials. War potentials. <laughs> to take some thousand-year blood war arc. Pretty, mu- uh, pretty much, yeah. Terminology. And we, we had some, uh, you know, not, not side, unaffiliated characters, I'll say. Right, Yeah, right. totally unaffiliated. Um, so this all kind of was spurn from, is that a word? Spurn, spun? Yeah. Fine. It's a lot of mob shit. There's a lot of mob warring going on. And yeah, yeah. like at least four families are involved. The the Lumors, the Russos, the other R1 and the Gondors. I think those are all the families. Yeah. I forgot the other R1. But in any case. There was the, a Martinelli. There was a Martinelli. That's where. And then I think it's Rundarella. Rundarella. We'll go Something with that. like that. We'll go with that. Rundarella. I they like were it. honestly not important. So the Rundarella clan is basically like. They're all, they are kind of in a spat with the Gondor, who's in a spat with the Martinelli's, with who's in a spat with the Lumiere's, and like, it's a lot. Like, but I found that I love mafia shit. So, yeah. like, I found that piece engaging, kind of this backstabbery back and forth of who's got a leg up. But in typical fashion, kind of like Jarara, there is a supernatural element here. And I think we could dive into that next because we kind of talked, this is why they're there. This is the motives for why they're fighting. But I felt that the supernatural had a lot more of a heavy hand in this one than Jarara, right? Because Jarara had supernatural, but also is like just kind of tangentially in the world, right? Yeah. Hmm. Because, and maybe that's where a little bit of, the magic was lost for me because we had celebrated how the supernatural what felt so deeply integrated to this interesting slice of life drama yeah that you almost like could remove it altogether and it would be fine but as you said specifically it does add a lot this narrative relied on that supernatural a good bit to carry the story i kind of liked it though i, I did i did right it was like you know some of our favorite characters throughout right you find out you know, ve- through various means that they happen to be part of this like special group. Right. Um, but there's, um, hmm, that's a good point. I don't know. I still think if you remove it, it could work, but I think unfortunately it was, this is a much gorier show than, than Dorara. This is very, there's intense. a lot of want yeah. and destruction and killing. Yes. And unfortunately if, if our, you know, the main characters weren't, you know, special in some way, like, of course, like, this show would end so quickly. I think it's important to point out exactly what the special is at this point. These individuals... We're only 15 minutes in. We're not going to say how, but we will say that these individuals are essentially immortal. They okay. live forever. <laughs> they no longer age from the moment they've achieved this particular state. If they are dismembered or anything, just blown to bits, 
it's not even like a healing. It's like a reconstruction, which is yeah. really cool. Like literally their blood just like sucks back into them. Everything <laughs> reconnects no matter how far the bits are away from each other. They just come back right. in. Um, and it's, and I think this works in this case because the narrative could, I, I think maybe you could take it away, but it was written in such a way that that immortality was used to very good effect. Good narrative points, good lore, good backdropping, good twists, who is, who isn't. So we've always had this thing. We kind of said it with like B-Stars and, you know, uh, BNA or whatever the hell. Can you tell the story without its main hook? And yeah. I think in this one, they wrote it in such a way that this supernatural does fit very, very well. And it's integral to the story. So it stays. I liked it. But I also see the magic of Dorara is because the supernatural is is tangential and involved but not 100% necessary. It feels ordinary. I think there's a potential that the reason that Dorara feels like it could stand on its own without the supernatural versus Bacchano is really just like the the era. <laughs> That's a good so point. That's a really good point. We of course are more related to you know, a Dura, yeah, the Drara, yeah, Drara time, time frame, yes. right? Because it's relatively modern, mm-hmm. um, as well as like some of the the ideals behind it. Like, yeah, you could see a bored kid starting some internet gang and then just happening to be the gang leader. That's another good point. So you felt, and I guess that makes sense. And thinking back on it, I, this is a set piece that they've really kind of fleshed out well. I felt very real that the 1930s world felt very realized. But it's you're just right. hard to like it's hard to relate to that. Yeah. So maybe it is just the set piece. And it's funny that we're picking out the reasons why this felt like it had not the magic. But uh, Ryogo basically Ryogu, I don't know. He basically <laughs> fixed all of these things. Author guy, author man, <laughs> super author man. He <laughs> fixed all of these things very poignantly. Like maybe the set piece didn't felt relatable enough. Boom, put it modern day. Maybe the supernatural is too heavy handed. Boom, make it a little more tangential and integrated, like kind of more subtle way, you know, and uh, don't use time, but use space. Boom, put it in a greater Tokyo area. He fixed everything very specifically, but I think this made for a more wild ride in Bacchano. Right. Oh, 100%. I right. think the tempo of this show is much higher. It's crazy. And I watched it at 1.5 speed. Yeah. It was an information overload. Well, like, I think this is supposed to be like a wild train ride, right? Like of course. A crazy right. train, legitimately. It, did you just drop a crazy train I right did. now? I figured. Th- <laughs> and time. 18 minutes in, we got it. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's very much this like breakneck speed, but it never felt out of control. It felt like it had a good through line. So I actually thought the first four episodes were pretty boring and slow. Okay. And it might have just been because they were throwing so many storylines at you. Like they, they until had to do they the started yeah. you know, putting the pieces of the puzzle together in episode five, I think it was. Yeah, right. I was like, what the fuck is happening and why do I care? Yes. And I think that's not the worst play in the world because when you have so many storylines, you need to give them all the due diligence of their initial start, right? And that's what this show does. First three, you know, every character is getting introduced. You get subtle, but not like overt exposition dumps. And once you hit, like you said, four or five, when there's some, there's a bigger reveal there that people start taking actions on the train, 
things start unloading. And right. in, in a way that, like I said, breakneck, but never feels too out of control. You can follow, but you do need to pay attention. Like, this isn't a popcorn anime. This is one, like you said, draw, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to sit down. You have to put the popcorn down. Eyes on, students. Eyes in. This requires wrinkles. Yes. it Lock it in. I you, personally will suggest the dub because of... The sub was eh. There's You're a right. couple of reasons. Okay. One, this is set in 1930s America in like Italian-American kind of families. Okay. And they all have that thick New York accent. Did, all the did they in the dub? Yeah. Wow. I might actually rewatch some Isaac of it. Isaac and Miria were like absolutely amazing. Oh. They were like the most whimsical voices on earth. Let's talk about them super quick. Favorite favorite duo. Easy. They were, they these, were the main characters in my They were opinion. the main characters. That old man telling Carol, who's the main characters? It's Isaac and Miria. Yeah. Because and I think it's just because we were all living in their world. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> they, we were just guests in their escapades. Right. They, they were kind of not petty but not so petty robbers that made a living on stealing shit from people 87 but, consecutive robbers and robbers. never they kept it so under the radar that they had a scene where the fbi only at their 87th attempt yeah. got on a list yeah and like out of that they've been making their way without any fbi radar without any law enforcement the best quote we only have pictures of these individuals because people were attracted to their disguises and costumes they didn't know they had been robbed the people taking the pictures yeah. didn't know they'd been robbed until after the picture was taken right fucking baller and outside of that they were funny as fuck they would like have this super quick back and forth like they had one mind two bodies and it was amazing it was amazing <laughs> yeah and uh they're just like so bright and cheery yeah. they make even like every aspect of the show that has a minute is like a fun energetic kind of just like jolt to your system do you feel just good because there's a lot of just like heavy like brain work you have to do and that's what i wanted to ask do you they add a levity to an otherwise gorier version of the drara storytelling yeah do you feel that them as harder an aspect, to understand too this was much more difficult to like piece, piece together, together right there's a lot more going on here than just the set in front of you so do you feel that isaac and miria were something that maybe Jarara was missing. Because I don't think I had those moments of levity in Jarara, but maybe it didn't need it. Did. You had Walker and uh We did, didn't we? Okay. Just like say random shit and you're like Van Gang. Van Gang. Yeah. Van Gang. Gang 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 gang. So yeah, they are an absolute highlight, an absolute joy. Like truly main character shit. Um but we got Okay, who's your least favorite characters? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, mine are very obvious. I hated these two. Two. Yeah. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Jacuzzi at times. Okay. Um, his voice in the dub is annoying, but I realize it's supposed to be annoying. Right. But that and the thing is, like, Jacuzzi is a character that Jacuzzi Splout, I think his name was. Yeah. And splot he Splot Splat. He um, <laughs> he's a little baby bitch boy. Uh huh. Admittedly, endearing enough, but at some point. He flips the switch and he becomes this super badass dude who will go up to women and just like teammates and just kiss them. Like, if I don't come back, do this for me. Kiss out. I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? And it never there was one throwaway line that said, like, when he puts his mind to it, everything's like it's done. He can he can get it done. But like, I, I felt that to be a little weirdly character whiplash for me. Mm. So in episode like 14 or 15, 
there's this scenario where he has to go save somebody, and there he basically gets written to like come here alone. Right. So he goes there, and he said, you know, in the, the note it said, "Bring all your money, like that your group has made." So he goes there empty-handed, and he's like, "So where's the money?" And he goes, "Turn me into the other family, and they'll give you five thousand oh. dollars." So he like was there to exchange his life for somebody else. He brought his own bounty. That's right. cool. And then the rest right. of his gang just shows up, and they're like. We can't let you do it. We nope. all came here by ourselves, but we love this little bastard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess like he's just like so for the other. Like he does yeah. his best to make everyone, you know, everyone's life better or help them in any way he can. And he's just a very magnetic personality, which ma- made him the leader of that group. I think that's what it was, and you saw that when there's a moment on that train where the conductors kind of like get into a spat for whatever reason. We'll say in a minute, but you know, killed each other and. um Basically, like him hearing a folktale thinking it was real, he goes and tries to save the conductor. Like, that's he is very much a people pleaser, but in the best way, right? Um, but I guess that's I wanted them to commit to that, right? Everyone loves him and he's just a good, kind hearted guy, but he's a little baby bitch boy. I wanted them to commit to that or give me a more of a reason why he can flip the switch, but. You know, uh, that, uh, that's neither here nor there. Who's your least favorite characters? I'm curious about this. You seem pretty So, adamant. yeah, both the Genoards are the like so <laughs> god dang annoying. Eve Genoard and Dallas Genoard. Dallas, Dallas is a piece of shit. I'll give you Well, me. he's a piece of shit, and his sister's just like a little annoying bitch. It's yeah. like your brother is a dickhead. All of these crime families are telling you he's like a dickhead. And they don't like, want to kill his ass. Like, I just really want him to come back. It's like, geez. Oh, my please. God. God. And like that scene where Isaac and Miria go to her mansion in 1930, I think it was. And yeah. like, or two, I don't know. Timeline's weird. They go in Indian costumes for some reason, <laughs> like Native American. And oh, yeah. uh, you didn't get to see it. <laughs> uh, no, it, was, so it said, hey, they, wait, they go, oh, yeah. oh, that's oh shit. It's so great. But before they rob her blind, they like help her out with her problems. So yeah. they're like lying next to her on the carpet of her room, like. Like listening like like a like a nice like a good friend, right? Yeah. Just oh that really no, tell me more. Like tell me more. It's well, cool. that's what's good about those two is they're robbing people, but they're not like they're really, genuinely they're not good really people. jacking anyone over. And she literally says our family's problem is how much money we have, and they're like, "Okay, we'll solve that." For we you. can solve that for you. And they stole uh, all their money. They, I love their reasoning for why stealing shit is good. Yeah. Like they always find a reason to believe that this is for the greater good. Ho ho, Miria! <laughs> is that his vo- like? Yes. Oh, ho, Miria! Amazing! Wow! Yeah, and Miria is dumb as a bag of rocks. Like. <laughs> Which is great. I love her for that. She, no excuse for poor menace. Yeah, right. They get hit by the car. What are you going to do? I'm going to punch the car. But you'll break your hand. I'll punch the driver. What if he doesn't get out? Then I'll spit on the car. Yeah. Oh, great Amazing. Idea. Amazing. <laughs> good idea, Isaac. She's, but say what you will about her intelligence, her lack of wrinkles. She's very supportive of Isaac, which is good. Yeah, they, and vice versa. They're just like a perfect They're like, a perfect team. duo. Name a more perfect duo at me. I don't care. Yeah, They're great. I mean, find one. But yeah, I can agree with the with Dallas and Eve. Eve was she was there as a set piece, right? Like just as a plot device to get Dallas to come out of the woodwork, right? But like fucking why? Right. He he had no bearing on the entire plot. It was at all. It he was, was literally just, there to get his ass beat constantly. <laughs> yeah. Like think about it. What I, did he do? Shit, you're right. Did, didn't he like, was he like a test subject for what we're going to get into? At one point he got injected, right? 
Is that him? Where he gets injected with the elixir? I can't recall. No, again, no, he gra- was, he, no, no, no. He was already... Uh, Partially. He was already immortal. At gotcha. That okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I wasn't a fan of them. I, I think the eventual rail tracer was eh i mean kind of kind of endearing but eh claire essentially but that i liked him because he had a lot of lore set up there's a lot of talk about vero the greatest assassin any of these families have ever seen right maybe the best in the world and there's a lot of lore set up for him wait was there yeah there's there's a number of lines where they talked about him because they talked about him in comparison to Firo. Hmm. Like you may be the best next to next to Vero, Vero, Vero. His yeah. name's Vino. Vino, Vino. That's it. Yeah, Vino, Vero. Yeah, Vero was one of my favorite characters. Oh, for sure. He's he, just a, he's just an absolute badass dude. Cool guy. He had real honest. Mikey energy from Tokyo Avengers, kind of, kind of short, stout, younger, but like absolute badass. And I was thinking more like uh, the guy from Rage of Bahamut, like the main character oh, yeah. from that. Yeah. He felt more like that to me. I like think kind, of, kind of a bruiser, but like kind of really endearing. And yeah. like kind of thin guy. Right. Yeah, I can see that. I just feel like Mikey is... A little too cool for school. Yeah, and he's like very cruel. <laughs> oh yeah, that's actually true. He's very cruel, dude. Whereas like Firo isn't. That that initiation... Uh, Firo's initiation scene was so cool. Like, 100%. And also <laughs> the celebration shot in Isaac's upstairs. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> The fact that all of these, like, that's what was this great about this guy's storytelling. Yeah. Is he makes it very believable that all these people are, like, constantly that's bumping good, into each other. Right. Like, the like in any other show, if you were to deviate the details in any direction, it would feel super contrived that these people would be yeah. around each other. But, he, like, this Royo Narita, Narita, sorry, um, <laughs> the super author man, he manages to write these threads that uh, make you say not oh uh, why is he there of course he's there yeah of course isaac is upstairs of course you know that they know eve of course that like jacuzzi's run into these people before like right that that is the sign of a masterful character set peacemaker like he knows how to make it work so um but yeah it's actually hard to find some of the characters i wasn't a fan of in this show I would say the information brokers seemed like a wholly unnecessary group altogether. And I, I'm glad you brought them up. Was it the the Daily Days or the Daily yeah. something like that? They, um, I actually thought they underutilized. They were underutilized. That could have been a really cool thing to have more in, like an information broker kind of like that plus newspaper stand journalism hub. That makes perfect sense. Everyone that first scene where they get kind of jumped by the mo- like some mob guys and every writer pulls out like a Tommy gun. Yeah. Fucking rad. Right. They should have used that more. But I understand what you're saying about it being it feeling unnecessary because I think they're underutilized. Really cool concept. Well, the reason I think it's unnecessary is because they never gave us any information we didn't already get from the show. So it's sort of like. Uh, interesting. Like, yeah. I understand why they did it, I think, is probably to give people who are a little slower on the uptake, maybe a little, like, refresher of, like, this is why yeah. these people did that. But, I mean, if you follow the show, if you've got, it like, more than four wrinkles, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is it felt like they were a foil for the mob. Groups, they also right? knew everything and, like... Right. 
that's what I'm saying. It's is, just like kind of stupid because it was very clear that this immortal scheme was not like super public. And they somehow were like savvy to they it. They knew all these guys were were freaking immortals. It's like, all right. <laughs> I think that I think that might have been one of kind of like the narrative blotches here. Is that yeah. it felt like there were a moment like what the whole thing with Dallas as a little sister. We knew that. A lot of other people knew that. Just the people that came to him didn't know that, right? And it was just a foil for the mob. They could have found out in a more organic way, like we did. And like them coming to that conclusion would not have been a hard thing. Like hey boss one of our guys figured out that you know dallas is a dallas is a little sister oh okay let's go get her for bait they didn't have to go but even even still i just felt like that entire storyline was so unnecessary who fucking cares about the gin awards no one cares about they have nothing to do with the story yeah but and that's maybe that's what like the old man said to carol maybe that's kind of the point is that this is stuff that was going on around that and they were somehow tangentially involved in the main stuff, so we kind of get that backstory. But I get what you're saying. They could have kind of cut away that chaff a little bit. Yeah, and, it just and felt like unnecessary amounts of <laughs> right stuff. In, in, in a show that's already so packed with info and story for 13, 16 episodes, why, yeah, you don't have a lot of margin for error. You don't have a lot of margin for chaff, right? Your chaff margin is so thin. Lean. Yeah, you need I lean did want to say, yeah. now... Episodes fourteen through sixteen. Now did, I didn't watch these. Yeah, I want to no, hear this. Had some interesting stuff in them. Okay. But I would have been okay with the ending at thirteen. I felt pretty satisfied because I, I'd say some of the more more interesting characters don't really get any more like okay exposition. So the the re, the characters we actually gave a shit about, which are numerous, they didn't really get the screen time or progression in the. Well, you find out more about like how because it does seem weird like occasionally it's like some character you'll see is an immortal and you'll be like what what the fuck is going on you know i had that a couple times i think everyone got their their due diligence but there are a couple i'm like why are you like did they ever talk about isaac yeah okay so we're 35 minutes in spoiler city usa spoiler city and this is going to be me basically it's 15 years old go watch it it won a gold prize it won a gold gold prize for the gold prize overall whatever that was from the den dengeki novel prize competition the ninth one the real one one through eight didn't matter (laughs) so remember furo is having his big uh initiation right yes and Isaac and Miria are upstairs. Yes, can't forget it. So somehow <laughs> they get invited down inside to drink with all of them, but they had already stolen the two glasses of elixir, two bottles of elixir. Oh, I was wondering what happened with so that shit. Everyone there drinks it. Oh. So that's why that entire crime family is already immortal. The, including Firo, including all these people. What was the guy with Mizu, Mizua? Uh, Mizo. Mizo, yeah. Because uh, I, found, I found it interesting because we saw a moment, I think in 1932, of Firo being revived as a exactly. immortal. And he was, then I was like, wait a minute, why is he curious about Mizo's basically regenerative powers? Why I, th- I was like, I thought he was already an immortal, but then my timeline was goofed. And I didn't know where the connection lied. So thank you for clearing that up. Yeah, so that's that's the biggest problem with this show is when you jump back and forth by one year, it's very hard to decipher what is happening before the other thing. Even if I'm re- watching something and it just said 1932, like, yeah. 
to me, 1932, 1931, 1930, 1933, they're all basically the same. So it's really hard to figure it out. And here's the problem with and that. And they right? all wear the same shit every time. <laughs> they do wear the same. I was noticed, just noticing, except for Isaac and Miria, which, yeah. again, another reason why they're great. But you're already, like, think in Dorara, right? You already have like four concurrent storylines that you're keeping in your web, like in your head web right now, in your literal headcanon. Now imagine spreading those over three new timelines you have storylines over timelines yeah at some point wrinkles aren't enough the human brain can only do so much like we've we followed it because you know we got <laughs> it we, we got it but i mean i mean come on that <laughs> should go without come saying on. come on man but yeah i can see what you're saying like you're already doing a lot narratively why split it even further from at least they gave us the courtesy of telling us what year when things pop right yeah it's just you know, sometimes there'd be like five years in one episode, you know, back and forth. And yeah. so, like, whereas, of course, if they hadn't told us what year it was, it'd be even like way, way harder to follow. Right. It was still difficult. Speaking of years, we got to tell them about the whole immortal hook, right? We're yeah. in Spoiler City, USA right now. So, I mean, and I actually really kind of enjoyed them giving the supernatural a little bit of lore if you're gonna make it so heavy-handed they did the work of showing us the exact moment the the human the humanitarian side of trying to do this but essentially in 17 was it 11 or 31 or something like that well since i kept saying 200 years ago i think it was 1711 as well 1711 they were on they were aboard a ship called the avante Ar aves or something like that and too much the, Italian. Too for much me. Italian for me. But it was Literally a, everyone's name. <laughs> yeah, right. It was fucking terrible. On board were a bunch of alchemists who were attempting to summon a demon based on the notions of a guy, Maizu's basically classmate, whose grandfather hadn't aged for like three hundred years because he successfully summoned the same demon. So they learned the spell, they learned the rituals, and the demon was actually kind of cheeky. I actually kind of liked him. Um, and he was like, but they were trying to find the cure all elixir, the 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 magnum opus of the alchemy. Grand panacea. Yes, the the big daddy, the big daddy drink, basically that you know everlasting life soda. Feel the feel the everlasting life. Right. Their everlasting refreshness. Essentially, they wanted the philosopher's stone, <laughs> but in uh, Coke form, just like something diet Coke. Yeah, casually. yeah. They get it. They do it successfully. And the, even the demon's like, stop, stop the fucking chanting. Like, just, you don't gotta stop. Like, yeah. just think about it and you got it. And drink this. But I liked what I liked what the demon did. You all can partake of the cure elixir and obtain immortality, but only Maizu's gonna be able to know the recipe. What a curious little, little trickery there. I think that was subtle. Yeah. Because if you give it to him in limited supply, and now they all have unlimited amount of time, but they're like, fuck, like, what if we want the world to have this or me to have this alone? Who owns, who knows it? Just that one guy. And what does human, what do humans do? They covet and they greed. And that is kind of what the demon alluded to later on. That's just like humans really are greedy. Like people fucking yeah, want that, true. want that knowledge. So I found that to be a very interesting, interesting little play. So it was definitely interesting, but altogether I felt semi-unnecessary because you had a group of like 80 people become immortal at that point right like what would be the point of making other people immortal well 
that's because I think the motive for some of them, right, was to lead humanity into a better age. You know, no, no aging, no death. Right. This could be what we can be now. Right. We can be immortal as a and think it's 1711. The world is this huge unexplored expanse. Basically, at that point, we may know some of the world but not everything. So wait, we, 1711, was that like the Mayflower time almost? No, that was Mayflower was 1492 famously, right? No. No, that's right. That's Christopher Columbus. Yikes. We're not a history podcast here, as you can tell. Absolutely, yikes. So maybe. Uh, I, I, edit shoot, that out. Holy no, shit. No, I'm editing it in. I'm keeping it in. I don't care. But People make that mistake so much. They it's do make ridiculous. that mistake. What, what, year, what year was the Mayflower? It's 17-something, I'm sure. We'll figure it out. 1620. Wow. Yeah, That's right. even way I, earlier than I thought. <laughs> right. So this is, this is post-Mayflower. We have discovered the new world. <laughs> well, I was just they trying to figure out where they were it. going. That's a good point. Or, actually, or from. Well, maybe, I assume maybe they Italy. weren't. They were just like, in case this goes nuclear, let's just do it on a ship in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> maybe. That's kind of smart. What are actually. we doing? We're summoning a demon in the house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you go on a boat and go way yeah. out there and try that That's shit? A good point. From Italy, you just see <laughs> just like this huge mushroom, mushroom cloud. cloud. Like, looks like that didn't work. Okay. <laughs> Glad let's they not did that, that there. Rome, nah. Crater, gone. Thank God they did it out in the ocean. But yeah, so we don't know where they're going or coming. We know it's probably coming from Italy. But I don't know. In any case, <laughs> they, um, they summon a demon and they get immortality. So that I think the lore was a nice touch. Well, not- I thought this was great, though. Okay. The demon also said you can't lie to each other about your names. Oh, right. Because Remember? yeah, because like if you're going to live for 300 years, of course, you're going to probably take on new identities. But to each other. You can't lie about your name. And because there's this little like this little sneaky thing that you can do where with your right hand, you can either devour them completely if you ever want to die. Yes. Or if you want to steal the information in their head and experiences and stuff. And that's I think as far as immortality goes, that's a really good narrative out. Right. Is that if you want to die, you must seek somebody else out that has the immortality inevitably there will be one person left right that's what i was like you know if if one devours the other and it goes in a big chain eventually one person will be without an out which is i would have thought if we had played this out completely it would end up being mizo yes yes because you know as the leader of this thing the guy who summoned the demon the holder of the knowledge right right it seems like it would be pretty poetic to end with him but But, we don't get to see that no and I, i think I would have liked to have because I think he is one of the only the few there that truly understood the impact of what he was doing, because I, I think him giving half of the knowledge to somebody else, because the other part of this power is with your right hand, you can devour somebody taking all their experiences and knowledge. But with your left hand, you can basically give memories that you have or of anyone you've consumed. No, I think it was both right hands, which is even more freaky. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah. Because it's all about thought, right? Yeah. It's I want to eat. That's how you devour somebody. But if someone and they actually played on that, that Cheslaw dude. Yes. He thought he was gonna get devoured, which is not which was not the case. So we fucking panicked on Isaac, I think it was. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, Isaac yeah. was trying to save him, right? And he was just like, no, because he's been around for two hundred years as a kid. Right. So he's like totally can't trust anybody, totally panicked. So 
they play on some of these tools very interestingly in the show. Who was, was it Dallas or who was the one who was in the barrel at the bottom of the Hudson? That was Dallas. That would, that's a, that's a fear of mine, like immortality, but like stuck somewhere. Yeah. You're fucked. Well, You're just fucked. So similar to Dio. Dio? I do believe with enough time, it's sort of like a Dr. Stone scenario. Right. Eventually you're going to break out. Cement yes. does not last underwater for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's like a year and change, right? I don't know how I long think, it yeah, lasts. Right. I just know it's not forever. I think it's a mental thing for me is that it would, dr- we as human beings require stimulation. We require stimulus, right? To not have that, I'd go mad. I'd go insane, right? Well, that's what I'm also thinking. If you're constantly trying to get out. Eventually, you're going to get out, yeah. right? Okay. And he does, just so he, you know. He does get out, he right, escapes. right. Um, But yeah, so I mean, they this immortality thing, I think they use the narrative trope of immortality in very interesting ways in this show and portray it in a very interesting way. But they, it feels kind of like... Uh, the motive feels a little weak, you know, robbing shit. That seems fun, right? But this trying to lock down immortality from other people and try to get this elixir, cool, but I don't know. I think the 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 part about the immortality and the elixir was like more incidental, which is strange. Yeah, right. But it seemed like everyone was like going about their lives and just happened to be running into each other. And it seemed like... um I've been trying to think of what like mainstream media kind of parallel I could make to this. Cause there's this thing where like, you know, people with these abilities will inevitably run into each other. Um, I know it's not a great movie, but Hancock did this. A little I bit. was legit. Yeah, thinking uh, that it's not a, a great bit, movie, but, but I was like, no, they're demigods that eventually they're literally magnetized to each other over yeah. the ages. Right. And they kind of gravitate towards each other back and forth. So, they do the, the no stand users, duh. Oh right, like, yeah. Stand, stand users, users end up hitting each other no matter what. They gravitate towards each other, right? Be it cosmically or otherwise, they just do. And so I, I wonder if this isn't sort of like that because they do end up running into each other. But I wanted to to step back just a, t- a little bit back yeah, to yeah. what we were saying, where you can't tell them like a fake name. Okay, because when when Cheslaw, like in episode three or whatever, told that guy, you know told whoever scrubbed his head yeah, his right. real name, he was like, oh shit, there's other immortals on board. Yeah. And recalling that he's scared as hell that somebody's going to come try to devour him. Right. And his whole plan is to go devour Mizo. Yes. That's what he wants to do. So, Which doesn't make sense to me, but you know he's been tortured a lot, so I think whatever. That, I think that's what it was. I think he's, like, he's so unable Afraid. to trust <laughs> and he's got so much paranoia that he sees no other way out than to devour first, right? But he does like kind of say something to Claire Stanfield, which I don't know why his name was that, but he <laughs> he says like, you know, I've died so many times in so many different painful ways. Like you can't do more pain to me than, than I've already, already experienced. Right. And that's something that, I, you know, I always struggle with, with like Subaru, for instance. Yeah. Where like, you know, I understand like, Killing yourself knowing that you're going to be reborn is, of course, still not easy. We kind of saw a little bit in Mugen Train, too. Right. Yeah. But, but over like a bajillion times of like attempts, like 
I would think that the pain receptors, the idea of pain would lessen. You would go numb in a way that most people couldn't even understand, right? And, and I almost feel like that's more of like a, a mental thing. Of course. And again, that m- maybe Mugen Train it's is all hard. mental. It's Stay all- hard. <laughs> Diamond brain wrinkles. I Keep- run 16 marathons a day. <laughs> Every day. All the days. <laughs> I I think Mugen Train actually kind of touched on that. It's yeah. like, because, you know, Tanjiro, to un- escape the dream, the way to do it was to kill yourself. And he had to do it over and over. And the demon was like, how insane are you? Like, your batshit determination is crazy. Yeah. So you're right. I think it's a very mental game. I don't game. recall if I had mentioned this at that time that we talked about Mugen Train, but there is that convention that if you die in your dream, you'll wake up. Like, you can't die in your dream. Right. So you, I loved when they played on that. You don't, your brain can't fathom that. So it right. literally has to jolt itself up. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, because I thought, you know, it took him a long time to get to that conclusion that I had gotten to pretty quickly. But right. I do, of course, like I understand any scenario where you're killing yourself thinking that you're going to be reborn is like very. That's a lot of faith. It's faith. Yeah. Right? It's really tough to like even Subaru, like he does occasionally kill himself to like re- yeah. rewind. He but, has done that. Yeah. But it's like. You know, what if just this time it doesn't work, you know? Right. And even if it had been tested time and time again and succeeded in a way that you'd expect, there is no bigger leap of faith than that, right? Right. And like, say you did it 16 times in a row, who knows it works? It might literally work 16 times. It's literally only 16, right. But his life is such a garbage can that it's fine. (laughs) Might as well just burn it and see if it comes back. But yeah, and now that I'm thinking about all the characters in this show... I actually didn't really care much for Lad, the Mad Lad himself. That's interesting because I think he was... He felt one note as fuck to me. He got his, finally, but... <laughs> he was one note, but, like, in the best possible way. He was he was psychotic, and it seemed... It, that's the thing, maybe, is, like, he seemed to be this unhinged psychopath murder machine, but he did seem to have some code of conduct. He didn't kill Nick when he easily could have, and his whole mission was to kill people, right? He remember when Nick was tied up, he just scooted him back in the luggage cart and cargo cart and shut the door. I'm like, that is a moment right then when he would kill somebody like right in that moment. And if his whole mission is to kill as many people as possible, seems like an easy get, right? Why would you not commit to that? Well, I think he enjoys killing people in different ways. Remember what he said to the boss? He gets off on killing people when they feel completely safe. Yeah. Right. So maybe maybe the fact that he was tied up, he had a sense of danger about him. Like, mm, not for me. If you're sipping on some tea in the in the passenger cart, ooh, you'd be juicy, right, ready to go. I, I kind of wish um, you had had Cheslaw run back into him after he had shot him in the head. Oh, right? that'd be curious. Because yeah. I don't think Lad Rousseau ever re-met anyone that wasn't immortal that had died oh true so he wouldn't you would think he would have been really attracted to that concept right yeah, of immortality of being able to kill as many for, times as i want exactly he could get everything he wants out in every possible way and no no consequence maybe the consequence is what he wants though that's that seems like he likes the idea of now you're dead and you're dead for good Maybe. I don't know. He's a complicated villain in like a uncomplicated way. Maybe. I maybe uh, uh, maybe there's more into him to read, but I didn't 
really care to. He jumped off a train to save the person that he wants to kill last. That's true. I mean, that's that's a complicated emotion. Yeah. (laughs) I guess guess you're right. I didn't give him the due diligence. Yeah, I mean, come on. The mad lad needs to be read more. Give him some, you know, some props. Some attaboys for... He jumps off for his lady that he wants to kill. And she seems weirdly into it, too. Oh, she's very into it. Yeah, she can kill me right here and now. Oh, no, baby, I'm gonna keep you for last. Mm, Baby, let's (laughs) go. Okay. (laughs) That's actually fine. Smash cut to you on the couch. This is complicated. (laughs) This is definitely a complicated duo right here. There's not a lot to pick out with Isaac and Maria, uh, Maria, but like, yeah. Uh, uh, Lad and Lad and Mad Lad Chick. I don't know. I remember her name. Lua. Lua. That's it. Um, Lad and Lua. Yeah. So maybe there's more to him than meets the eye. Maybe I gotta go back and give it. Maybe I'll go back and watch the dub because the sub was. And go and I don't say it often. Go watch the dub. Like it's. But I, the reason I think that he was important to the story is he was more of like the chaotic, just like killer. Oh, he was a force that was yeah. necessary for two groups that are trying to do like actual tasks. Fair. You know, so, one group was just trying to kidnap to get their guy out, and the other group was trying to steal everything. And then Lad Rousseau was there just to like fuck shit up on purpose <laughs> to get like money out of the rail company that's and again like we said at the top of the episode his plan was absolutely insane but i somehow can't argue with the logic but flawless it's, yeah it's insane <laughs> but flawless he literally he big brains his own way to having his own fun which is just slaughter party that's it that's all he wants so i mean yeah i don't know where we're at like 53 perfect all right you know we got to do it to him got to give him the numbers i know where i put mine I'm going to give it... An- Wait, let's just overview quick. There's a lot to overview. What did you like? What did you not like? I liked... I like Ryogo's Narita's storytelling. It is engaging in any setting. Uh, the, some settings elude itself better than others, but even so, the, the, the characters, absolute tops for me. Um, the production, Brainspace did a good job. Some very cinematic shit in here. Um, had very has an, a nice, edgy, aesthetic style to all the characters. I liked it. Um, what I didn't like was, you know, maybe the contrivances of the supernatural were a little heavy handed for me, but I think it still played. To, it was written in a way where you couldn't have without it. So it gets a pass from me. Not much. I didn't like some little things here and there. Some characters The definitely Eva was a uh, Eve and Dallas were eh, they didn't yeah. really have much to do. There's a little bit of chaff where they didn't have room to have chaff, but they put it in anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. That's that's really the whole thing. So with that, I think. Well, I like I love the characters. I actually loved the setting. I think they did 1930s yeah. America really well. The actually. backdrop was very well realized. Like, and then even like 2001 America. That was a fun thing to snap to, right? right? Like yeah. I think they did a good job. Like everything seemed pretty like period um, appropriate, appropriate. Yeah, which I thought was funny. And then. Uh, like that hat shop they went in there was like just, a habit, it's a haberdashery yeah yes. absolutely wild shit in there the <laughs> fucking samurai helmet the, the african mask yeah, like african every, they, mask. Just, they just like we bought all that shit probably just for more props yeah like. it was just like uh i don't know it was so this this story was a lot of fun yes um especially past the first four episodes if it mm-hmm. were me i would find a way to like retool the first four episodes because it was just like so confusing without really a payoff originally. I don't know how you could though. That's like there is. I don't have. Well, now there, it comes to my negative. Okay. I think there was too many time skips, too much like back and forth that made even a seasoned anime pro such as myself mm. like 
at some points I'm like, so what fucking year is this? Your wrinkles are firing at full pistons. Well, because it's pistons. hard to remember. Okay, which year is the freaking flying pussyfoot even happening in? <laughs> when is the pussyfoot flying? Yeah. I need to know. <laughs> and so, I don't know. Of course, I love the storytelling mechanics that he, he employs in both his, you know, crowning jewels. Yep. But uh, Gold prize, and don't you forget <laughs> yeah. it. It's just, I think it's, it becomes a little difficult. Of course, right? It's just a little bit like much. If there yeah. was a few less cuts back and forth and maybe just like a little more explanation through a couple episodes, I think this maybe cleans up a little better. And I think that's what he kind of refined with Dorarara. Yes. Personally. I think you could have had the storylines be in the moment flashbacks. Yeah. And those, though, you could probably cut away little over half of the flashbacks to 1930 and still keep like those pivotal scenes as flashbacks to give context for what's happening on the pussyfoot and after. Yeah. That I think would fly. So I, I agree. I agree. But like you said, rough draft and dry rod feels like a finished product. Yeah. I agree. So where do you put it? You got to do it to him. Yeah. This is uh 287 points. <sighs> Out of what? <laughs> Out um, of what? No, I would give it an 88 out of 100. I was going to give it an 84. I think uh, that's that's the and that's one of the few times I think that Mal got it right. It's an 8.4 and I think it nailed it. Um, and it's very highly celebrated. Both this and Drara are very highly celebrated. I think Drara is even close. Like it shows these two things are rated, I think, very aptly on Mal. And that's not common. Yeah, I think if I were to give this a Mal score, it'd probably be an eight because I don't think I think what is nine is like great or something and 10 is masterpiece yeah right and the only 10 that ever happened was uh you know species reviewers and we all know that so obviously <laughs> the only true <laughs> right only true right right but, um, yeah so i mean I, I think it nailed it i i think you will not be disappointed do not pick up the popcorn do not do other stuff during if you want to get the full experience you need to put you need to put it in there you need to put your full wrinkle game in there all pistons got to be firing but it it's again like Dara we said it this show will repay you in kind for your attention yeah and i think there's a payoff i mean even for 13 i think very strong payoff and then when you find out like all the pieces that they are willing to offer by 16 yeah there's like a little extra payoff you got a little salt you you could be at the end of 13 and be a-okay agreed i think honestly i was like well i might be done now that's what it was i was like do i have time to watch 14 14 through uh, 16 and then i the very was the last scene where like isaac in 2001 realized like we have an age today yeah no we haven't Woo! And it's like it ends. I'm like, God, it was okay. I'm good. Right. Wait, there are three more. Eh. But this show is good enough that if you really give it the time, you may want that extra bonus content. It's a show that ends cleanly, but also gives you what seems like engaging bonus content. So it does. They just add a really boring, annoying character. Gotcha. Oh, is it the, the wrench guy? Yeah, wrench yeah. guy. But basically, this anime comes with DLC. Yeah, <laughs> legitimately. Yeah, right. And if you want to watch it, it's there for free right after. And apparently, like the lore is that they released those first thirteen episodes on a to- like a Japanese pay per view channel. You were telling you showed me the wiki about that. And then yeah. there was like three additional episodes only released on DVD for some reason. Huh? You don't say. Yeah. Yeah. So you may. Uh, we couldn't really find it on streaming sites. Take with that information what you will. But let's you know. say. Normal streaming sites. Normal like, streaming like sites. Mainstream. Yeah, the ones you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, overall, real solid show. Gold prize. Obviously. It's got I mean, the pe- it's, it's gotta it's, be. It's got the pedigree. 
But thank you for coming and get this degree in the Weebology podcast. Uh, if you want to watch with your eyes and your ears, hello. I dumped a bunch of videos last week, and I'm going to dump a couple too before the weekend's out. So by the time you watch this, I probably should have the, this and the other two ready to go. Um, if you want to listen with just your ears and not your eyes, Apple, Spotify, everything in between. Um, all of our links in the description of both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Like, comment, subscribe if you can. We know you can. Just do it. It's we know free. you can. It's free. It takes one click. And if you can't click, then you know what? You're 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 good. You're yeah. all right. You're all right. Um, you receive a pass. Little monetary love only if you can. Patreon.com slash rebology. One dollar and up gets you into our Discord. Three dollars and up gets you the syllabus sidebar. Are sometimes anime lo-fi high vibes sometimes visual <laughs> sometimes visual you jacked that up i did a little bit a little bit still works. i brought it back it still <laughs> works it's just interchangeable it's good content it's not always animated but sometimes it is um and uh i think that is everything i am going to we're gonna record the next episode right now yeah we're... yeah so until we finish up the next one which is gonna be a rousing good time i'm ricky and i'm ethan and this is don't we biology <laughs> Deuces. Deuces. All right, we don't even have to like click it.